0: Welcome to Breaking the Glass Slipper. I'm Megan Lee.
1: And I'm Charlotte Bond.
0: So I am a big fan of time travel stories, something that anyone who knows me will know that I named my cat, Marty, AKA Marty McFly. (laughs) And uh, my love of time traveling stories uh, has, has been lifelong from Back to the Future, obviously, to Kindred. There's so much scope for interesting stories when time travel is involved. But how do sci-fi writers tackle writing such stories? And how much science is required for plausibility? So many questions and layers to uncover, which is why we brought in backup. So Cameron Hurley's latest novel, The Light Brigade, is a military sci-fi with a non-linear plot. Because apparently she really, really likes a challenge. (laughs) So before we get stuck into our adventures in time travel, Cameron, would you introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: Sure. I am Cameron Hurley. I've been writing books for like eight years or so. I think Light Brigade is number 10 or 12 or 11 or something like that. I think after a while they all blur together. Uh, I won a couple of Hugo Awards. I was nominated for a Nebula and Artsy Clark Award and some other things. And I'm actually really well known for writing an essay called We Have Always Fought, uh, which also won the Hugo Award. And I blog regularly at CameronHurley.com. And I also do a regular a column for Locus Magazine as well on the Writing Life.
0: Awesome! Yeah, we have actually talked at length about your uh, essay. We have always fought um, on mm-hmm. this. We we did a, a full episode about women warriors uh, with Juliet McKenna, and that was that was really fun. We talked a lot about your essay because it's oh great, cool. yeah, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Reading Light Brigade, it is so all over the place. Like it is bonkers in terms of. Plotting, and I just sort of feel like, why did you want to do that to
2: yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I blame my agent. Um, we had signed a two book deal with Saga Press, uh, the first of which was Stars or Legion. That was something I had been thinking of for a long time, actually, since I first finished my uh, first trilogy, The Gods war Saga. And uh, that had been so I finished that and we did it, and I was like, oh crap, we own another book. <laughs> She said, well, you know, you wrote that really fun time travel story for your Patreon backers. uh, And that was it was just a very short one called The Light Brigade um, featuring a character similar to the deets that we see in the novel. Um, And she said, you know, I really like the voice in that one. And I think that's something you could do at novel length. Um, And, you know, that really clicked with me because I'd always wanted to do a military science fiction novel. I just wasn't sure if I was ready for it. My, you know, academic background is all in war and resistance and propaganda, um, how folks recruit uh, women fighters in particular uh, in different conflicts around the globe. So I've been doing this for a very long time. i read a lot of military science fiction. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I love I love watching low budget science fiction movies. So uh, especially military science fiction. So I love that stuff. And you know it sounded like a great idea. (laughs) It sounded like a great idea, and then we got to the point. uh, I think I got forty thousand words in. You know, as Dietz moves out of training and the time travel actually starts, and I was completely stuck. And I called my agent. My agent called me because I was late with the book, and she's like, "What the fuck's going on?" I said, "Okay, here's all the things that I need to happen," and she goes, "Oh shit." (laughs) <laughs> like what have you done? What have you done? So <laughs> what she actually did was uh, her husband. It turns out, Dr. Joshua Bowman is a mathematician, and she said, "We have all this time travel going on. We need to make sure whatever we do is internally consistent to the narrative. Because what Cameron wants to do right now, I'm not convinced, is going to be internally consistent. So he actually put together these mathematical graphs that look very complicated, um, and figured out the things that we could do or not do, uh, within, you know, the, the structure that we had done. And so what I actually did was then, then once I had that, I sat down and I put into an Excel spreadsheet, Hey, here is the actual war in the correct chronological order. And then I actually took each of those sections, the sections where she comes back to base and the sections where she's fighting and I mixed them up, and then, on the second tab, I had the mixed up version. And then I had to say, "Okay, you know, by Dietz's recollection, here's what has happened by everyone else's recollection, here's what has happened. Here are the people on her team who are now dead. Here are the people on her team who are still alive. And um it's it was I, I think've I've shared it with some some uh, some other supporters on Patreon as well, and they're like, "Holy crap." <laughs> It looks more complicated than it is, though. Um, it literally is taking a linear narrative, jumbling it up into a nonlinear narrative, and just making sure every single time that it's consistently inconsistent, right? Um, so <laughs> Consistently so inconsistent. Consistently I like that. Consistently inconsistent. Yeah. So, again, that, that we understand every time that, you know, Dietz would come back to base and say, okay, here's what everyone else remembers the last time that she was here, Um and here's what she, th- you know, this is the last thing she's saying. she remembers. And I would approach every single chapter with that knowledge. And once I did that, it was really fun to sort of write their interactions with each other, right? Because they both come, you know, they all come in there with different memories of what has come before. Um, so once I actually had that structured out, once I had that spreadsheet, um, I literally went to a cabin in the woods for four or five days with all, and I took like all of these, like, huge piece of paper and I stuck them up against the wall and I was like here's who her you know platoon is at x y and z points um and it was really fun at that point it actually got fun because once I actually have the structure down which is the worst part for me then I could just write char- you know dialogue and characters and fight scenes <laughs> and that's what I'm all about um and so that's what I ended up doing so uh, I wanted to do that really to challenge myself. Can we to the actual question? But to challenge myself because I'd never done something like that before. Um, and I want, and of course, I love time travel stories as well. Um, I'm always fascinated with that. I think you look at, I think one of the ones that always does it for me, um, which I guess isn't technically time travel, but I mean, obviously, I'm a big Terminator fan. But, but there's time also, travel. Yeah. That's time, time, yeah. appears, but, but I'm thinking of arrival arrival okay yeah yeah right that yeah you know everything in your life that is going to happen and you do the things anyway is a very there was an emotional thing with the short story when I read it when it came out and in the movie I think they did a very good job capturing that emotion of I know the pain and heartache that I have to go through but I'm going to do it anyway uh, and I love that Um, I love that idea so um, I love time travel narratives I love the idea of again you know all of that stuff so I, I want to challenge myself and I I succeeded, <laughs> succeeded <laughs> in challenging myself
0: yeah I'd, I'd say so <laughs> I mean you know we've mentioned like the need to kind of really map out the time travel story so I, I think we can kind of probably all agree that one of the problems with, or like, issues that people come across when they're writing time travel stories or when you're like sitting there watching a the film about time travel is that consistency, have you got it right, what time is it now, uh, is a real... It's a problem. You've got to try and figure that out. And I think one of my favourite slash terrible um, <laughs> problems with time travel stories is tenses. Like, mm. it did happen, will happen it happen once not going to happen in the future now like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i love that uh, but i was just wondering like you know what um are some of your you know like the most common issues you find with the time travel narratives uh
2: absolutely keeping the details correct um i think there were several times You know, as we were going through and editing it where my agent's like, hey, remember that this person she's talking to doesn't have the memories that she has of, you know, this particular interaction they've had. We need to understand why this person she's talking to now has this reaction to her in the past that is negative. So now you have to set up what has already come about in this scene that comes after that. Um, and there were several of those. And also to remember, you know, what she looks like, what the state of her gear and stuff is. Cause of course the war goes on and she's jumping all around within it. Um, you know, the state, her actual, it's not just her physically, but like, you know, all her gear, you know, and her haircut changes and her weight changes. Um, so there are obvious things, especially later on that I needed to make sure we're super consistent and that people actually started to question. Right. Um, because as much as didn't want to talk about it you shouldn't want to get kicked out. Um, there are going to be at some point things that are just not going to, you know, make sense. Um, so a lot of that, yeah, the consistency was, was huge. Consistency. consistent. What, what does this character remember? What does this character think? Um, that was absolutely probably the, the toughest thing. Of course, really the toughest thing in this one was we had must've had four copy editors because I used, corpse, as in the corporations, so C-O-R-P-S, okay. and then core, core, like the Marine Corps, which is uh-huh. also C-O-R-P-S, um, and getting that straight of which time she was saying core, the core, as opposed to the corpse, the different corporations, um, was actually a pain in the butt. But that <laughs> doesn't have to do with time travel. That just has to do with don't try and be clever, um, because it will bite you in the ass every time. So, <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, are there any uh, common tropes you'd like to see avoided when
0: it comes to new time travel stories or anything that you'd like to see tried that, that hasn't sort of been done?
2: You know, I've read a really great book uh, by E.J. Swift called Paris Adrift that was a lot of fun. It's a time travel novel. Um, and I liked I liked the way the approach to try and travel that she did. I think we get, we have this funny obsession with time travel because it's like, we think, Oh, if we just go back into the past and we change one small thing, it will change everything. But then in our own lives, we sit around and go, Oh, well, what does it matter if I just do this one small thing? It won't change anything. And I think it's very interesting that I think the truth of things uh, comes out in our media, in our stories, which is true. Like one small thing does actually make a huge, uh, profound difference. At the same time, I totally understand, um, why people kind of get down and like, Oh, it's because we can't really see those things, right? Our lives are only so long and we don't really see a lot of the time, which again, I think is why I like Arrival. We don't see how much all of those very small things add up. Um, so that's something about time travel that I really like. I think it's it can be on the one hand very depressing, like the first Terminator movie, where it's just like, oh, it's all predestination and it's all it was all meant to be, and no matter what you do, you can't change it. Which of course is funny with that one, right? He changes. You know, James Cameron clearly changes his mind by the time he gets to Terminator Two and goes, wait, how depressing is that? It <laughs> uh, goes off into, no, we can fight the future. Uh, which I found fascinating watching from the perspective of the creator, you know, myself, and saying, watching hit, how he changed that. Um, and I think that also had to do with, like, the cultural moment that he was in, uh, and that changed, right? I think before the wall went down, you know, the Berlin Wall, and after the Berlin Wall went down, I think our our idea of what the future would be changed, you could see that so dramatically, I think, in those two films. So, yeah, so I think that's super interesting. So, common tropes, I mean... I don't know. I like, I like a lot of time travel stuff that's done. I think I, I do sort of push back against the whole predestination. Like I no matter what you do, you can't change anything. Um, I like, I like the idea of maybe, you know, like parallel universes, like maybe there's different futures. Um, I really liked what they did in, uh, like edge of tomorrow where it was like, Hey, several people can maybe change the future, you know, with this, this cool, um, alien blood tech anyway um this thing like we can all change the future uh, and it's different futures um and i think that was that was super interesting to me too so i don't know is there something that really really bothered me maybe what really bothers me is this idea that we go forward into the future and all of humanity's dead (laughs) so it's just really depressing depressing. the time yeah like the time Uh, the time machine, right? The original one, or um, you look at, oh, what was it? Wayward Pines, where she's like, everything is all horrible and we blow each other up and it's all big and depressing. And it's like, what's the point? You know, (laughs) What's, what's the point? And some of that, again, was because a lot of those were during built, you know, those were created during times of massive war and unrest and lots of, you know, world wars. Um, and I would like to see something that's a little more hopeful about, hey, maybe we actually, and our, you know, maybe we actually come together and fix a lot of shit or, you know, um, a lot of people die in climate change. That is something that's going to happen. But possibly maybe people are living in Antarctica and Russia and Canada and they've made better worlds because of the terrible experiences that we went, went through, right? Um, so I'm like, let's take these horrible dystopias that we've been talking about as our future because, yes – there's bad shit that's going down now. There's bad shit that's going to happen. But what comes after that bad shit? Um, and that's the sort of futures that I'm more interested in. And I'm hoping that maybe, like, we're moving on from the nuclear apocalypse, then to dystopia. And so I'm hoping now we'll go to like, okay, after the nuclear apocalypse and/or the dystopia, now there will be the Star Trek future. Yes, um, so that's my hope, right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, what, there's
0: this one trope that I always see time and time again and I don't really get it. So it's it's like don't let the, you know, other time you, whether it's future or the past, see your current you that is traveling oh, in the future yeah. or the past because then, you know, the world will explode and you can't possibly see yourself, but if you are you and in both times you know that you have the ability to time travel, why is it a problem? Surely you just go, yeah. "Oh, hey, that's me when I'm I'm clearly time traveling now." Like,
2: yeah. I I just don't get it. <laughs> I've always thought that was very odd myself. Um it's like and I and I get that like some some people they want to impose you want to impose rules it's like on a magic system, right? You want to impose some kind of rules um so that they're internally consistent, but I think it's more interesting. I love the idea of people meeting their other selves. Um oh gosh, I'm thinking of what is it called? Ian Tragilis wrote. What's the first one called? Oh my gosh, there are these amazing novels um, about uh, time travel, like magic used in World War II, and there's time travel, and this yeah, this guy meets himself when it was old, his old self and his young self, and it's really great. Um, but I think that's more interesting as opposed to I have to um, avoid myself. So I think I think it makes for better drama, but that's me. Well, I think one of the interesting
1: things about the tropes is because obviously the idea of time travel has kind of been on man's mind for a long time. I mean, you just need to look at H.G. Wells. Mm -hmm. But I think that writers along the way have kind of invented these ideas of what the rules of time travel should be. Like you can't meet your future self. You mustn't step on a butterfly. You mustn't kill your grandfather. And I think that they're They are writer's rules rather than scientific rules. So they are wonderfully open to creativity. So thinking about um, Futurama, you take the don't kill your own grandfather" trope and you have Fry sleeping with his grandmother and being his own grandfather. (laughs) And I just think there's such a wealth of use for tropes these days, more so than in any of the other, even horror, which has a lot of tropes that tend to get um, satirised these days. I think the time travel... Um, fiction is just right for it because there's such strange weird rules that when people actually sat down and thought about it they've gone what that's no sense if if you follow that line of logic then and then you can extrapolate something really bizarre so I, I think the tropes within this are, are actually quite good fun to play with um, I think they'd be a bit boring to use and I think if you tried to use them today a lot of people go that makes no sense that's not logical at all whereas if you use them and then twist them I think you get something far more interesting
2: well, exactly. And I think, uh, I think at this point, readers are are looking for that something new. You know, we've all we've all seen and we have it culturally, right, we have this, um, you know, shared story of what all these tropes and things are. And so we're looking for things that are outside of that box. And, you know, it's very funny because I see that a lot, uh, especially with just regular science fiction, where there are these assumptions that people come to with, like, what is a generation ship? What is, you know, faster than light travel? Can Is that possible? What is the transporter technology? Like, there are things that we just assume uh, are, are going to be in the future. And I'm like, this is all made up. <laughs> this is all made up. Um, and the future that we've got, right? Like, who nobody thought that we would have, you know, 100% everything in this future. There's a lot of, I mean, I see a lot of RoboCop in here. I see a lot of Neuromancer, but I, you know, I also see a lot of uh, other stuff too. And it's, it's not, it's, it's going to be much more interesting, I think, than we would like to, um, than we would like to portray. And, and only because I feel like there is a sense that, in publishing they say hey we're comfortable with these sorts of stories readers are comfortable with these sorts of stories and those are the stories that we would like to tell um when in fact i think it's to be way weirder yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> way weirder yes definitely, way weirder
2: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> again i i talk you know you talk to people um you know my grandmother who grew up in nazi nazi occupied france like She remembers when there was the radio first came in, right? She walks into her house and there's people talking in her house. And she's like, what the hell is going on? Who are these people? Walks in and there's a box there talking to her. And she's like, what the F is this? But this is someone who then lives to see like all this amazing technology, right? Like the, that, you know, even for me, like, you know, growing up with record players and I start thinking about, right, the 80s when I grew up. And how different that is from the sort of society I live in today. Um, And that's just 30 years, 35 Mm -hmm. years, you know? So, yeah, we have no idea.
0: I have a bit of a soft spot for some of those uh, videos on YouTubers, like, um, showing a millennial, like, a rotary phone or, like can this uh, millennial figure out how to turn off a Windows 95 machine? <laughs> yes. Like, I, I just really enjoy them.
2: <laughs> like, well, I remember John Scalzi uh, showing his, when Athena, I think his daughter was like nine, actually showing her a record for the first time and taping it. <laughs> what is this? How do you play with it? What do you do with it? You know, um, but yeah, it's it's interesting how quickly those technologies fade away, so...
1: Well, thinking about technology um, makes a good link to what we're going to do next. I wanted to ask you, um, thinking about when you said earlier about you went to a cabin in the woods and you put everything up on the wall and you had all of the, the timelines and, and everything like that, which is obviously really important. When I used to ghostwrite to um, crime fiction, mm. a bit like you, I would just be surrounded by all the different timelines, what this character knew, what that character knew, and they were going to find it out as well. But with science fiction and time travel especially, there's the clue is in the name it's science so i mean how important do you think it is that the science behind time travel is either described in detail or is at least based on real science or do you kind of like the the Austin powers approach where basil exposition just says to austin don't worry about meeting your future self. We suggest you just enjoy yourself and then turns to the camera and goes, and the same goes for you as well. <laughs> and just don't even bother. Do you think that there is necessity for science? If you do, do you think it needs to be described in detail? Do you think it can be completely theoretical or does there have to be a basis in there for at least a little bit of reality?
2: none of us really know how our iPhones work right like we don't really know I mean we are like yeah and then it sends a thing to space and then you know there are all these things like technological things that we don't under- how does my how do my lights work like we can know generally um but if you were to tell someone okay you now you need to you know put electricity into this house they'd be like what uh my only thing with this science, especially with something with time travel, which is simply a theory, right? It's only a theory haha, <laughs> that we know of. Um, but as far as we know, it is only a theory. And all I request when I it's something like even science fiction or fantasy or a combination of the two is that it's internally consistent. Um, so if you tell me that, you know, here are the rules of it. um, then it needs to stick by those rules or there better be a good explanation. Like, oh, we screwed it up. Uh, what I One of the shows I love the most, uh, which actually sort of informed this one in a way, was Looper. And I love the scene where the two guys meet, the old one and the young one. And, you know, the young one's like, so blah, 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 blah. You tell me how this happened. And the old guy's like, I'm not here to explain time travel to you. Yeah. <laughs> I love I it. That's the only thing in the entire movie where they even like mention, and it is such a wonderful, like waving at the audience. This isn't what this show is about, because I think what we have to understand is that the reason we're telling a time travel story is to see something about humanity, right? See something about this particular character and our choices, um, how our choices inform the future, right? Looper is a very good example of that. Um, and then the sacrifices that we make. God, I love that show. Um, I'm thinking of it after we watch it. Um, but and and I think that sometimes we get so overwhelmed with, whoa oh, who's my science writer? is this writer? Is that right? So much of this of what we know is all based on what we can observe from earth, how what how the rules are on earth. Um, there are so many amazing things. I was reading Carla Revelli's, uh books, actually, um, The Order of Time and reality is not what it seems were probably the best theoretical books um that i read to kind of inform the time travel for this and i mean man you get into general relativity stuff and how time space itself is like a thing like it's it's a it's a force <laughs> And it bends and moves. And as it <laughs> bends and moves it affects it, it is – it, like, blows my mind. Um, But I get that, like – and again, like, uh, general relativity, whatever. Like, I knew of it, right? But these books went so far into it and really had the graphs and described it and, like, how, you know, time goes faster if you're, you know, in an airplane. And mm-hmm. you if you bring the watch down, you know, from the altitude above it, the watch will be going faster than the one below you. And it's like, what the fuck? It's like, well, because – time, space itself. And I'm like, it's affected by gravity. I'm like, oh my God. So anyway, um, it's really cool and really fascinating. Um, and, but it's also, I think, how, how do those things then, like, theoretically we can know how do those things change if, if people were to be able to go faster than light how would that, how would that warp, you know, space time? Um, we don't, there are things we don't know. And so we're just extrapolating from what we do know. Um, and that's okay. That's what science fiction is. Right. Um, and as long as that's internally consistent, then I'm totally cool with it, but there needs to be a consistency and an understanding of like the basic, you know, a basic understanding. So that's, that's all I ask for. But I, but I'm, I, you know, I am basically a science fantasy writer, um, sword and sociology stories, you know, so Uh I'm, I'm maybe not. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm not like, (laughs)
0: i wanted to throw in a a genre question there Mm -hmm. because so i once had a debate with someone about the novel kindred by octavia butler because i i love that book so much and but they don't really like she never goes into how it works or why and that's not the point of the story at all and so this person was arguing that it was a fantasy novel and not sci-fi because it it wasn't any kind of technology. It wasn't, you know, and and I don't know, for me, it was just like, but it's time travel, therefore it's science mm-hmm.
2: fiction. <laughs> uh, Outlander, right? Same yes. thing. It's like, yeah. is it fantasy or science fiction? Um, I th- I would think Diana would say it's science fiction. Um, So, yeah, uh, it is very interesting how, how much science, quote unquote, because, again, time travel's not real. <laughs> it's not real. Like, that's what I... I want to shake people. Transporters, Star Trek transporters are not real. Yeah. Um, Firefly is not real. I know it's hard. Um, it's it's hard sometimes because I really am one of those people. I don't see the distinction between science fiction and fantasy at all. I, I see them as marketing categories for myself. I think if you look at my first trilogy, God, the God's War trilogy, I mean, you've got shapeshifters and bug magic and, oh, spaceships. And, you know, like it It has all of these this mashup of this stuff because I do think if you take something far enough in the future, it becomes fantastic again, right? It Becomes fantasy, and mm-hmm. I do think that there are um, that limiting ourselves to only what we think is known is ridiculous as writers. Um, if we look at a hundred years, two hundred years ago, the things that they they didn't know, like about germ theory, I mean, they were go, the kid the the medical students were going from. Um, cutting up corpses in their classes, immediately going to the um, the ward where women were pregnant, and and, and putting their dirty hands on, on women and and helping them give birth, and then they wondered why forty percent of the women would die of sepsis, and it's like that was like they hmm, I don't know what could it be. There are things that we just don't know, and so I I don't like the whole oh it has to be blah 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 blah, it has to be internally consistent, but it doesn't have to absolutely positively adhere to only what is known because then what's the, but then write, so write literary fiction, right? Um, why are you writing science fiction fantasy? But that's me. That's my rant. <laughs> that's what, that's the outdated rant. I've always been on that horse. So yeah, So
0: yeah.
2: I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is so funny. I have found it does tend to be more dudes who are very, Um, protective of science fiction as this somehow separate you know hard masculine not for these soft sciences and i'm like i don't understand so but whatever i
0: mean you touched on earlier about things like fate and determinism and time travel but there are very few time travel stories where it isn't at least come up or or a thought where someone is going but can i even change time and or is it predetermined and and if i'm experiencing things out of time does that mean i can't ever change anything
2: yeah i mean there are a few and i actually they're the more depressing ones um the uh the original 12 monkeys the movie was oh, absolutely yeah great great film but it was we're all fucked <laughs> Second time to just find out. Oh, okay. Um, like that was that was a good one. I think. Um, and then there's there's a couple of them about like they'll take bodies from the past and bring them to the future, like Millennium, which is like they would take people from plane crashes and move them to the future. And so they didn't really change the past, and it didn't change the past at all. So it's just like we're just in we're we're taking from the past to make a future. Um, and Free Jack also. Um, was stealing him from a car wreck and putting him into the future. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and those, so the the ones where they take from the... Da, 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 and then, yeah, and then the original 12 Monkeys. Those are the only ones I think... thing can think of that... In Arrival, where... Which I actually... But again, it's like... Uh, it's interesting with the rival because it feels like she has agency, right? Like she takes massive amounts of agency, but she's able to take agency because she knows the future and she knows that mm. she wants to create that future, which to me is a little bit like, um, uh, light brigade, right? Um, is that, Hey, I am, I, there's a future out there. Now, how do I, how do I get myself, um, to that future? So, 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 yeah. And I think again, some of it, the reason that it's not there so often, um, Thinking, uh, oh, when Peggy Sue got married, I think was another another one where she goes back in time and then she, oh, if I had to do it over again, I'd do it over again. So whatever. Um, but I think it's just depressing. <laughs> we don't we don't want to think that oh we can go back and then not change anything because we want to believe we have agency. We want to believe we have free will, it, and that's certainly a belief that I have or I'd like to have <laughs> is that we do have free will. But I do find you know, the way that I look at kind of time and lives. And that's why I'm interested in I, my mirror empire books are uh, about parallel universes. Cause I love this idea that it, there's these brand, these branching timelines, right? These, all these, these multiplicity of different um, futures and worlds that could possibly be. So, but I'm an, I'm becoming an optimist, especially as things get worse. <laughs> Better than the other way around. Exactly, right? Once you're at the bottom, there's nowhere else to go and up. So, <laughs> I'm a huge fan
1: of Pratchett, and I'm always listening to the audiobooks. And one that I was listening to recently was Nightwatch by, uh, with Sam Vimes, where he sort of goes back in time or does what they call um, going down the trouser leg of time and, and being sort of almost in a parallel universe, but also back in time. And Pratchett has obviously dealt with this as well in the idea of Jingo when there's a moment, a sort of sliding doors moment where Vimes picks up his organiser, goes back to pick up his organiser, sorry, and the organisers flip universes accidentally, so he ends up hearing what would actually happen in the other universe if he had taken a slightly different decision. Um, So why do you think that um, time travel and parallel universes are, are quite often so interlinked, and what are the debates that surround each of them?
2: Jeez. It's a big question. <laughs> oh, yeah. It. We it go will, hard in this place. Yeah, really, uh, fuck that one. Um, no, I, I think we're, again, I I, I think back to Arrival. I, I think we are all fascinated with what could have been. Um, we all want to know, what if I didn't date so-and-so? What if I had gone to a different school? What if, um, you know, I had chosen to you know, go out to eat that night instead of going to, you know, my friend's house. Like there are, there are these moments and especially there are, you know, two or three or four moments, I think for all of us that are, we consider life-changing moments. And we always want to know like, well, how's that other person doing? Right. (laughs) doing and made the different choice Uh, and i think it's something that is really fascinating to us i think also of the show fringe um especially the first season where we were promised like it was going to be like this epic showdown between these parallel universes um and there were these warriors anyway um and i think that we really like this idea that there are is another way to be and that there are others of us out there. Some of that is loneliness. Some of that is just fascination with how things could be, um, again, and why are those two things interconnected? Um, you know, I I think parallel universes and time travel are just very similar. I mean, again, you look at space time, right? It's a, it's the same kind of force. Um, so it doesn't surprise me at all that it does. That's all I got
0: you're talking about space and time so this is what i find really interesting is that when we kind of talk about time travel we assume that you can like travel in time as well as space most of our time travel is like that but then there are a couple of examples where you only travel in time you don't actually travel anywhere in space so like the time original time machine that does that um and i've been reading uh demario's the house on the strand where they go back in time, but it's exactly the same place. And their actual, that's, that's a quite a different one in that their physical body stays in the present. And then, but their mind is in the past. And so they can uh, come to uh, harm in the, their present. Oh God, we're getting muddled with tenses now um, <laughs> because their body is actually in, in the present. Um, but they, yeah, they, they can only travel back to the, lo- something that happened at that location. Um, and, it, and it's interesting I think that the kind of the popular version of time travel is actually time and space travel
2: which makes sense because that's a theory right like that's that's a theoretical idea behind time travel um is that you are warping space and time because it is it goes to jet ge- back to general relativity which I can't sum up um <laughs> in a way that makes total sense right now um but it really is this idea that space time is itself a single thing, um, and that's why I actually wanted to do in Light Brigade um, a time travel that had to do with if I break you down into light and move you at the speed of light, you're moving very fast. It alters gravity, which alters space time, and which does blah 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 hand wave hand wave time travel. That's what I wanted to do because I do see those two as in, uh, intrinsically linked. I think you inter- know, Interstellar Dealers uh, deals with that. Um, and some other There have been some other um, low-budget Science fiction movies I've watched That have done it too um, So you know To me those are linked but again The reason that it they aren't always Is because it's all made up <laughs> <It's because laughs> And people are like you know what I just want time travel And I just want to travel in time Just blink my way out of it Or whatever um, And that's cool but I did want something That had some kind of theoretical again basis on stuff that we know so
1: can i just throw in uh, groundhog day as one of the <laughs> good story i know it's not really it's sort of science fiction it's just time travel in general but i was just thinking about what megan was saying about not travelling in space as well as travelling in time. And I think Groundhog examines that to the absolute maximum, the idea that he cannot get out of this one space and he just keeps going backwards and backwards and backwards through to the same day, never ever able to travel in space as well. I just thought that that was a really good way of exploring that. And I know it's not a really a genre piece, but I do have to give a shout out for that rather awesome little film.
2: I mean, well, that, I, I think it's a genre piece. Yeah. <laughs> Really? You'd go for yeah. That. yeah. Russian doll, same thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think both of those are kind of like examples of this is, you know, if there is a God, he's really like fucking just pissing himself right now because like <laughs> he is just making you dance and squirm and go, no, you will get this right. <laughs> and, and I will not let you pass until you get this right. <laughs>
2: Well, I do think with both of those, it's interesting. I, I believe it's been a while since I watched Groundhog Day, but I think they had very similar morals, which was trying to make the person a better person. Yes. And in order to do that, it, may, had, it forced them to connect with other people. And by reliving that same day, the same point in time, over and over and over until you actually have a connection. Um, I thought thematically that was very, very interesting um, way to use, you know, the time time travel, time I don't know, time hiccup. <laughs> time hiccup is what those are. So, yeah. Yeah. I also,
0: those kinds of sort of time loop uh, stories, mm. I guess we could call them. Uh, it just reminds me of like video games. It's like, okay, yes. this, you have yeah. to get from A to B, but oh, you you fell off the cliff. All right, let's restart. Uh, let's go back to the last Edge save tomorrow. checkpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's very much like that.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I think that was, that was the delight with edge of tomorrow was it literally, which I, it was based right on video games of dying over and over in video games. Um, and that was another fun one too, where though I think it was, it wasn't trying to think. Yeah. Thematically it was, it was very different than the other ones. Um, but I did like, Hmm. yeah, that whole idea. I'm going to do it until I get it right. And, and there were that again, that's a very human thing. I'm going to do it until I get it right. I'm going to do life until I get it correct. Um, and I, I do. I think there's something. And I, and I think that's something that we don't talk about, uh, interestingly enough, in time traveling or in, in, in any sort of genre thing is, uh, you know, the emotions that these sorts of stories allow us to explore, right? Arrival, uh, that emotion of, I know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, the emotion of, I'm going to do this over until I get it right, you know. Um, those things, I think, are also intrinsic to the genre and we don't talk about them quite as much definitely i mean
0: so we wouldn't be you know female podcast uh here for gender parity in the uh, genre if we didn't talk about women and i think it's interesting at least i have seen this to be a kind of common thread where stories of time travel have male characters able to harness time travel and change the future, which then changes the female characters' lives, but they don't know that they're basically having their world completely turned upside down by the man. And that's. yeah, it, I find that a little bit concerning, or at least something that is never really addressed like if someone's going back and changing it especially when it's just for for their benefit um uh, you know okay let's take back to the future griff is griff biff both of them they're they're not good people but Mm -hmm. at the same time you know in one future they're living the high life and in another Mm -hmm. they're you know shining cars and marty gives no shits basically he's just out to make it better for him which is Mm -hmm. understandable but at the same time it's never addressed that he doesn't even care that he's completely throwing other people's lives off track in order to do so
2: i do think it's interesting the ones that yeah are so heavily heavily me focused right like that one in particular i think the ones that i can think of again like that have women right like centered again are like a rival where it's i'm saving the world um or wrinkle in time you know saving you know family um edge of tomorrow again uh, which is actually what i liked about edge of tomorrow was that she had been through it as well and she kind of coached him through it so it was like she had done this herself even though it's like i'd I'd like what i would like to watch that movie but um So I like that, but it is interesting that, yeah, when the dude's time travel, it's sort of like, I don't know, 12 monkeys. Well, did he get obsessed with his past? I think he sort of did. Um, That, yeah, that it's not, it's not thought about maybe as much of, hey, why are you out this all for yourself as opposed to the ones with the women? Maybe it does have more of a, the world is ending.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when kind of like the, how charlotte earlier was saying groundhog day is not really genre but something like groundhog day uh the film about time which is like a richard curtis romance film with time travel um Mm. and even there's like uh netflix films i think it's called like when we first met Mm. and these kinds of ones are about basically the men getting to basically have do-overs so that they get the girl, (laughs) so they can get the girl right oh yeah and it's yeah. just like, what? How come the girl never gets a do-over to, to go, oh, actually, I know now that he's a shithead. So.
2: <laughs> well, and you know why? Because who's running Hollywood and who picks up the options? And I mean, it's something, it, it, it's, it goes back to a lot of media issues. It's, like, it's not like the women aren't there, right? Like I can name right, Arrival and, and Rita and Edge of Tomorrow, all that, wrinkle of time. Like we can name them, but there is definitely there are definitely more. And they're about with men and it's men try again, trying like you said, trying to get the girl or out for their own ends or whatever, because those are the ones that the dudes in charge are can can connect with. <laughs> like they don't understand like this dude this this woman i getting russian dolls so she just relives her days so she can make connections with people what um but the reason that's actually why i like netflix and stuff and the, the proliferation of streaming platforms is because we do we are getting some more female-centered stories and they are way more interesting because i think we've seen all these you know dude wish fulfillment fantasies for so long uh, because that's what gets greenlit. Those are the folks with money. You know, I mean, it comes down to, you know, we live in capitalism. Uh, and I think that that's honestly what a lot of it is, knowing the little I do about Hollywood. <laughs> so. Fair enough. I mean, you've <laughs> I kind of... <Sorry>. No, it's we're not, doing but- our best. I've been shopping stuff for years. So, I just I I understand how difficult it is. Yeah. Um I think you know you're starting to get some show uh, Hulu has a great show called um shrill which actually reminded me a lot of a show that I've been pitching for 2 years. Um so I I was like, okay, these things are happening, but it is true like what's going to get picked up when dudes are in charge is dude wish fulfillment fantasies, you know. So, but it's changing. It's getting better. I promise. <laughs> Yes, well, that's why
0: we have this podcast. It is going to change, and we're going to make it change. Mm
1: -hmm. I'd be interested to know if there was any correlation between interest in time travel stories and um, age, because definitely they talk about wanting to do things over. Whether as you get older, there's kind of more appeal for this kind of thing. Because if you imagine, there aren't that many time travel stories for kids, unless it's time travel back to knights and castles and dragons or something like that, or it's a sorry you can't see air quotes but educational book designed as a story where they go back to the second world war and they learn all about it or something mm-hmm. but certainly as you get older there's this this wonderful idea that if you could just go back and do one thing slightly differently I suppose because you're looking back at it rather than being a child looking forward it's like looking forward to
2: everything yep
1: yeah when you when you're seven it's like well I don't want to get backwards because then I'll be four and then I'll be really bored
2: <laughs> yes. I do the, I oh. I gonna say by the time you're sort of
1: 30, 40, you're like, oh, I wish I could just go back and do this one thing slightly differently.
2: Yeah, I remember, uh, again, being four or five, my parents being like, oh, you should just enjoy it while you can, you have to worry about bills and all this stuff. And I said, no, I'm going to love being an adult because a, as an adult, you have agency, right? You can choose to do things. And as a kid, there's not a lot of choice, um, which is why I think a lot of, obviously, you know, children's fiction then is, hey, let's go off and have a great adventure because that's what every kid wants to do. So every adult wants to do, let's go on an adventure. Um, But it is. Yeah, I think as you get, you know, to your 30s, um, you know, early 40s, where you start to look back and go, I mean, even in my mid to late 20s, I was looking back and going, wow, look at those interesting choices that I made. What if I would have made a different choice? Uh, And I do. I think there's absolutely something about um, age with that. I don't think that I think there's a certain amount of life you need to have lived before you start to realize like, oh, there really were. A lot of different paths that I had um the tyranny of choice right like it's it's when you feel like you're only shuttled in one direction and you don't have any choices as a child which really is a child because everyone's making choices for you right um as a kid if we're gonna eat here we're gonna do this you know, put on this shirt all that um but yeah once you go out into the world then you have to then you are responsible right for all your choices and then there's no one to blame but yourself um so yeah absolutely I think there is
0: yeah, I would definitely like to go back a few years and tell myself not to join a roller derby team because I'll immediately break my ankle and then have really bad pain Uh-oh. for the rest of, like, forever. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just these really small choices. or small, small things. They yeah. seem
2: small, right? Yeah, and they have, they have huge ramifications. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you have talked a little bit, like, obviously, throughout just about, like, some of your favorite time travel stories, um... But, I mean, are there any that you haven't, like, mentioned
2: that you kind of want to shout about? Um, Dark Shadows. Uh, dark Shadows was, there was a reboot in the 90s of Dark Shadows, um, where the lady actually goes back in time and, and visits, like, the, I don't know what it is, like, the 1800s, something the vampire was. That was super fun when I was a kid. Um and then Sarah Connor Chronicles, uh, the actual show, I think I watched. I only got through the first season, um, but I love the idea of it. I think people realize, like, oh, people like Sarah Connor. Um, so, yeah, the Terminator stuff. I said Looper because that was amazing. Yeah,
0: I love Looper. Looper's
2: so good. I'm not going to explore We're not here to talk about time travel. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, Paris Adrift original 12 monkeys. yeah I think I think I got through most of the ones that are like very you know certainly things I, I thought about a lot uh, as I was writing so yeah well as fascinating as
1: this has been I have to admit I haven't really heard of half of the things you're talking about like I hey, I have heard of Arrival but I've never seen it oh, uh, I Inch- know, it. I'm sorry oh I'm sorry. you guys oh. And I actually, I emailed Megan before we started and went, I'd just like you to know that the sum total of my knowledge of time travel is back to the future. And she's like, no, i all about all these other things. And when I thought about it, I don't watch a lot. I don't watch or read a lot of specific time travel stuff, but I have seen things that have time travel in it. So the examples that Megan and I b- um, bounce between us Obviously, Futurama, which I mentioned earlier, um, Star Trek. I remember just being overawed when I was a kid seeing the Trouble with Tribbles. I don't know if anybody remembers that, and you know, I'm probably showing my age here. But I think Megan was it a Deep Space Nine episode yep. where they went it back was. to the original? Yeah, yeah. And there were just all these wonderful bits that I'd seen the original Tribble episode and loved it. And I think I actually owned a Tribble not a real, a real one, like a stop,
0: <laughs> not a real screen. one, <laughs> genuine. Space <Nine>. I know. <laughs> um
1: but it was and i was just fascinated and i remember the one bit that sticks in my head is this whole idea of you had wolf was in deep space nine wasn't he, he was the the klingon and mm-hmm. that and then of course the klingons the original series were just dudes with a lot of hair
0: basically yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and and a little and, bit of blackface That's, yeah, yeah yeah exactly either you know yeah. people
1: of color or whatever with with e- extra makeup yeah. and there was just this wonderful bit where um Cisco looks at Worf and Worf goes, don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> was like, that's just so wonderful. I love the way they've just kind of brushed it, you know, not yeah, ignored it. Wave, wave, yeah. yeah, everybody knows the reason why that, you know, it's far more PC these days. But so it was that one. And the one that um, Megan is way too young for, but I used to love <laughs> and I never really thought of, was Quantum Leap. Oh, my and, gosh, yes. Oh, I had such a crush on Sam Beckett when I was a kid. And, that was um, the
2: best show. Oh, it was
1: wonderful. And I remember seeing the last ever episode and what happened. And I won't spoil it in case you ever want to feel retro and watch it. I
2: remember it was depressing, is all it, I remember.
1: But it was both depressing <laughs> and uplifting. And, you know, oh, I feel myself it's... tearing up as I talk about it. So that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously things like Red Dwarf, where they just mm-hmm. take the the piss unbelievably. But, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was all random stuff, wasn't there, in Red Wolf? I'm pretty sure they went backwards and forwards in time and they didn't even bother doing the Austin Powers of and we suggest you enjoy it too. It was just never explained. It was just the MacGuffin, yeah. this week's episode, them going back and him having a picture of his twins.
0: Yeah, one of my favourites is when they go um, back and uh, accidentally save JFK and there's like total anarchy and then they end up eating basically barbecued human because Crichton's turned his like ethics off <laughs> wonderful <laughs> and they're like this is really tasty what is it and-, and Crichton's like oh it's that man we saw back there you know <laughs> I-, I love that
2: <laughs> it's great. well you see
1: I really like the Jane Austen one but uh, that was more deck than time travel wasn't it so
2: Now I'm thinking about Quantum Leap, though, now. Now i got to (laughs) erase Quantum Leap. That was such a good show. Because, again, and again, I go to the emotions of that. That whole idea was to help people empathize with people who are different, right? Oh, Mm. yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that show. I know it's really random, but my favorite or well, some of my favorite episodes were always the ones where Sam jumped into being a woman and not just because you got to see the fabulous Scott Bakula in like, you know, dresses and, and whatever. And he just looks so awesome. But it was the fact that they really dealt with the whole yeah. issue of what it was like to be a guy as a girl. And I'm pretty sure he, he jumped in several people of color where he dealt with discrimination and oppression. And I always love the fact that it was an amazing show. It was quite funny it was formulaic but they they really didn't shy away from the issues um and all the different time periods they went to, it was just amazing i thought it was it was really good and oh do you know i'm gonna have to go and watch that again now I I to it out. must be yeah. on some retro channel somewhere
2: no totally no i love that uh, and again i get you know it's that whole thing and this is why right that we it's it's the white dude is considered the you know default right but it was at the it's a show of its time and that was the whole thing. It's like, well, we can get away with actually having a show about all these different kinds of people. If we have a white dude who jumps into them. Right. Which is stupid. It sucks, but it worked. Um, it worked. And I felt that, you know, getting away with what I got away with. Um, it was a, it was a good show for its time. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm going to ask my silly question now. Go on then.
1: <laughs> I think we've definitely taken up time with quantum leap. So it's definitely time. silliness.
0: <laughs> yes. All the silliness. So, If you could time travel, what would you do?
2: Oh, man. (sighs) Um, see, it's a good question because on the one hand, it's like, do you want to go forward in time to find out if things are really going to be horrible and we're all going to be dead? Or would you rather just not know? (laughs) going to be fine. Because on and honestly again as a woman, I don't really want to go back very far in time anyway. <laughs> because yeah, you know, traditionally that didn't go so well. Um, you know, there's not a lot of I mean there are birth control options, but not very good ones. Um so it's like so there might be some things where I'd be like, "Hey, I want to actually know what happened, you know, um in some of the like ancient Minoan cultures or something like that Mm -hmm. to like actually see what it was actually like. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to change anything because, Oh, this is another time travel show. Um, the, the Stephen King one where they go back and he goes back in time to try and save JFK. Um, and it turns out spoilers, sorry, I'll bet I have to spoil it. Um, but it turns out if you save JFK, then there is a nuclear war between, um, the U S and, um, russia so the whole idea of oh if we can just go back and save this one intrinsic person to this mm-hmm. um you know thing again it's like do we go back and kill hitler okay yeah you know that would have saved a ton of people but would there have been a worse hitler um and i think about that quite, in fact that was something i think, been thinking about quite a bit also because um in my novel the broken heavens um which is about parallel dimension people trying to murder their pa- parallel selves it's the whole thing anyway um but it, but it really is. It's like, if you kill this parallel version of this person who you think is the worst, then all it does is let the worst, worst one come in. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I might, do, I would probably use it as like an archaeological tool and be like, oh, I'm just, gonna, it's like taking a trip and just enjoying something. But I don't know that I yeah. would actually want to change anything. Like Because you TV. don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like TV. Oh, this is cool. You know, now I know what really happened. But I wouldn't want to change them because I just, I'm a historian and I know how fucked up things can be. So, mm-hmm. all right, that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I
1: got. <laughs>
0: oh, amazing.
1: <laughs> I think I'd have to go with Cameron as well. I think I'd have to say that I'd want to go back and see stuff from an archaeological point of view. And I'd probably pick a few people that have amazingly diverse opinions about them. I mean, from one extreme to the other, the two ideas that spring to mind, obviously Jesus Christ and Henry VIII, you know, two massively different people. But they are just mired in controversy and you don't know what the truth was. And I think to be able to see it with your own eyes would just be amazing and to see which interpretation is great and I mean what would you do afterwards you'd kind of come back and go oh well you know Philippa Gregory was spot on with her novel or (laughs) this particular vision was was absolutely right and no one would listen to you but I think from a a point you know a personal point of view that would be incredibly satisfying or maybe it'd be really depressing because there'd be no mystery in life anymore I love all those historical novels about the Tudor period and if I knew what it was like I'd be sitting there going well, I wasn't aware it was, oh. and oh now now I'm conflicted.
0: Oh, time travel's complicated. <laughs> yeah, see, I know exactly what I would do. I would go back in time and go and party with Socrates because <laughs> I'm such a nerd. But like the man threw a party before he had to drink his own hemlock, like to kill mm. himself. So I want to go party with Socrates before he kills himself because I'm strange. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> Party like it's the end of
1: your life kind of thing.
0: Yeah, party like it's 1999. Don't you know? <laughs> 1999
1: BC. BC, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, would you go back and see dinosaurs? No. Okay. I
2: could I Can breathe the air? I mean, I would have to bring like a... Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm just, that's just too scary. <laughs> I wouldn't... That wouldn't bother me because, I, I mean, I would,
0: you know, maybe if you go out like in a tank or something, I don't know, it could be all uh, yeah. right. I suppose it would depend on the uh, the science of the, the time travel. Can I take a machine back with me that would protect me from... Right, yeah. Because <laughs> if I'm just going in my person and I have nothing but what I'm wearing, maybe? Or unless, you know, it's a kind of weird time travel where I come out the other end naked, like in Terminator. Um, then absolutely not. I am not going into... Yeah. <laughs> Jurassic period with no clothes and nothing to defend myself.
1: No. <laughs> it would be very Raquel Welsh from, was it, one one million years BC, wouldn't it? <laughs> You're not laughing, which means I have really shown my age now.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, I feel so old. Oh. <laughs> At least Cameron knew what Quantum Leap was. I, I feel slightly
0: vindicated there. I, yeah, I knew no, what Quantum Leap was. Strange. I've just never seen it. I don't know of it but you know I can show my age too in that I was uh, like before this episode I was reading up about time travel stories and I was like oh a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court by Mark Twain I was like hmm oh I see so um, what was it I can't even remember what it's called now but there's like a, it's a teenage film and it was one of the first films that Kate Winslet is in and it's like oh. a baseball a, a teenage baseball player in <laughs> modern america this is like in the 90s gets back in time to king arthur's court <laughs> and i was like oh it's based on a book <laughs> oops <sighs> that's fine i'm definitely cultured
1: yeah <laughs> Are you thinking of A Kid in King Arthur's that's Court one. from 1995 yep. where a little league player is sent back into medieval times?
0: Yeah, that's the one. Kid in King Arthur's
1: Court. I won't <laughs> even tell you how old well I was when that came out. That was, like, repeated on a Sunday for me.
0: <laughs> All right, yeah, I loved that film back in the day. Didn't realise it was based on a book, sort of. <laughs> but there you go. Anyway, <laughs> all right we should probably wrap up but um so Cameron uh to just before we go out could you give our listeners a little pitch like if they haven't read you before which if they haven't then they are seriously missing out but why should they go and pick up The Light Brigade
2: oh I think The Light Brigade is absolutely my most um my most accessible book uh and it's also the only book that has gotten this many five-star reviews so quickly it's like crazy there's like um i think it's only been out a week and a half and it has something like 400 it's they're out on goodreads and they're like almost like four and a half five stars um people love it they're calling it like an instant classic like i've been kind of overwhelmed right <laughs> like, with, like, with how much everyone seems to love this novel um so don't do it because i think you should do it do it because every single day I'm getting fan mail that is like, holy crap, I can't believe you wrote this book. This is amazing. I'm telling about telling it to all my friends. Everyone needs to read it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so get in on that train. Keep up with the Joneses. So. And also it's just really good. It's really good and it will give you, you know, it's it's there's some grim stuff, but it is ultimately a hopeful future. And I think that that's incredibly important for everybody right now.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Um, It's been great fun, as always.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. Breaking the Glass Slipper is written and
0: produced by Megan Lee, Lucy Hounsom and Charlotte Bond. If you like what you hear, please show us a little love, subscribe, leave a review and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We believe it is important to have conversations about women and issues of intersectional feminism within science fiction, fantasy and horror. To continue to do so, we need your help. Please consider supporting us on Patreon.